This isn't a spy stream. I see now I've done terrible things. But you started when you murdered my father. I'll never forgive you. Well, you're going to have to. He's no good to me dead. I'm a simple man making his way through the galaxy. Like my father before me. Welcome to Best One Since the Next One, the podcast that dives deeper than the bowl Luke Skywalker uses to cut his own hair into film and TV franchises and the fandoms they inspire. Today, we're talking about, oh my goodness, chapter six of the book of Boba Fett titled From the Desert Comes a Stranger, a title I keep forgetting because that's probably the least important thing that happens in the episode. Today, I have with me a special guest host to talk about the episode. Stephanie Cole, everybody. Hi, everyone. Glad to be here. Can't believe I survived the episode and made it into the ability to podcast after what we saw. Don't get ahead of yourself, you know. I know. Like, it's Once you start talking about this episode, you start, you just burst into flames. So It's a delayed reaction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Once it clicks in, yeah, that's when it, it really goes down. But before we get started with the episodes, uh, Stephanie, you're a bit of a, a horror writer and a Star Wars obsessive. Yeah. And I hear you have a, a website that you're putting out. To- yeah, I'm finally putting all my writing together into one one place. Um, so that is going to be genre days, days as in dazed and confused, genre Love as it. in genre film, uh, genre days.com. And that's where I'm going to be having all my writing about classic horror, modern horror, and then just general genre film, which includes a lot of Star Wars and other sci-fi and things like that. Um, and I'm going to be collecting my stuff there and also just posting things on Twitter and Instagram too. So keep an eye out. It'll be coming soon. I love the name too. It's great. It's it's fun to get your stuff out there. It's just so easy to just be like, I'm not doing something. No, this is a thing I'm doing. I don't exactly. know. Exactly. That's how I feel about doing this. Yeah. It's just like, it's a just it's just become a part of my life. So I'm glad that there's a, a spot for that. So definitely yeah. check that out. Definitely check that out once that goes up. Genredays.com. Yeah, and I'll announce it on all my socials. So I just wanted to get your kind of temperature check on Boba Fett the series so far and the book of Boba Fett so far. We're six episodes in. How are you feeling? Where are you at? Well, I am obsessed. I am constantly shocked by where it's taking us. I don't think I expected to be as into this show, believe it or not, as I am. Um, Boba Fett has always been, well, I've had a mixed, mixed feelings about the character. Some of my earlier Star Wars fandom memories are like arguing with always boys on the playground (laughs) about them being like, Boba Fett's the coolest and he survived the Sarlacc and I have proof. And I would be like, I don't know about (laughs) that. I don't know. And then I'd look in the character guide. I'd be like, oh my God, they're right. But it doesn't seem like it should be right. And, you know, sort of had that like bone to pick. But then as soon as he got introduced as a clone, suddenly my interest peaks because I'm interested. I love the prequels. Um, Clone Wars made me absolutely fall in love with clones as characters. They're some of my favorite parts of Star Wars. And I... I warmed up to Boba Fett slowly but surely. He kind of still got on my nerves a little bit during the Clone Wars show. 
but eventually i mean he's kind of a, a punk he sucks. kid yeah he's really we could talk all day about how good his story arcs in that show are but he sucks <laughs> that show he's a he's a chump i realize now that he has a good reason to be because mm. he really got a bad uh totally bad uh deal bad hand of things but he yeah he got on my nerves a bit and then i sort of warmed up to him then of course i think almost more recently as soon as tamara morrison came back in the role I was like, I'm in. I am in for Boba Fett when he appeared in Mando. I was so ready. So this show has still continued to surprise me in that regard. And I've been constantly just like shocked by what they do. I'm obsessed with these little flash. I really love the flashbacks. I love what they've been doing with the Tuscans. I love the little bits of flashbacks to um, his childhood. I hope we get more of that. I really hope so. I don't know how, but when that first second of footage on Camino, I mean, I was just gone. So I'm here for it and it just keeps surprising me. So <laughs> they definitely keep you on your toes. Cause I think a lot of us thought we had, Oh, I'm pretty sure I know what the show is going to go and had it figured out and it's, mm-hmm. what the full arc of the show is going to be. And, you know, from the moment they showed like the twin, like the two trees coming out of Camino's waters. Oh, my God. Okay, I guess I don't really know what the show is going to be. And then at that point, everyone's like, I know what it is now. And then they started introducing all the Mando stuff to it. And then this episode comes and it's like, okay, I just give up. Just do to me what you will with the show. Like, Yeah, I'm just here for the ride at this point because I, I... I'm done with trying to figure out what this show is, but I'm enjoying every second of it. And I, I know that they have a plan. It's all coming together. Right. And yeah. I mean, I think that's something that I've realized is that this is, it's wrong to think of it as like a separate show from Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Like this is like a wider connected universe of one continuous story that's Absolutely. just moving around points of view. And when you think of it that way, like I can understand to some extent why some people are like, where's Boba Fett in these last episodes? But if you think about it as well, this is the book of Boba Fett in the larger story of this thing that's going on. That's going to include the Mandalorian, definitely yeah. going to include the Soka show and everything else that's sort of in the works. Then suddenly it all makes more sense, which right. has really helped my perspective for sure. Absolutely. And it seems like they're kind of pushing it even in a different way that we're not used to with mm-hmm. really leaning into the streaming aspect of things like the Disney plus, like using streaming as a format to tell these kind of not really like stream of consciousness, but just kind of like all encompassing stories that just expand. Mm-hmm. We're used to things being titled something and it, things have to have like the book of Boba Fett. It has to have a name. We're like all thinking it's just going to be Boba Fett. Really what they're doing is they're taking advantage of the streaming capacity of Disney plus to kind of just do whatever the hell they want. And that's mm-hmm. something that, kind of aren't used to yet with storytelling. It just seems like they're kind of expanding this like Star Wars hive mind version of storytelling. I don't know. I'm not sure if that really makes sense, but that's how I that's how I'm thinking about it. I think that that's Star Wars though, which is right. the cool thing about it is that Star Wars despite it being so popular has never told its story in a traditional way. Right. And I think a lot of people forget that because they weren't there in 1977 when it pops you into the middle of a story and doesn't explain what's going on. And it it hasn't stopped pushing the boundaries of what we expect stories to be like since then, including up to the point where, you know, everyone didn't react well to the prequels because they were even more fast and intense, but they now we're kind of used to it. So it's that sort of thing where I think that 
people just need to be ready to be on their toes with Star Wars and be surprised by how they tell their stories. I, I totally agree with that. That's mm-hmm. really well put. I think we should probably get into it time-wise. Sounds good. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, it's a lot. Uh, <laughs> mental capacity-wise, I thought maybe we could do some like breathing exercises or like a guided meditation or like burn some sage beforehand, but I don't even think we have time to do that. I so literally just... have my crystals here though. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> this episode's going to get me into crystals, I think. I need, to, like, I need something to, to deal. Are you ready to proceed? I am ready to proceed. <laughs> I mean, I'm we ready as it. I will be. All right. And before we do that, we got to head back to basics. So the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 6, From the Desert Comes a Stranger, released Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022, 2222, if you care at all. Directed by the King of Star Wars, Dave Filoni, and written by the uh, Archduke of Star Wars, I guess, John <laughs> Favreau. Cast in order of appearance, our guy Timothy Oliphant back mm-hmm. as Cobb Vance. Welcome back. Pedro Pascal as Mando slash Din Djarin. Rosaria mm-hmm. Dawson as Ahsoka Tano. Okay. Mark Hamill. I don't know. Mark Hamill's voice. Synthesized voice as uh, Luke Skywalker. But Graham, Graham Hamilton and Scott Lang combined together to make like all... Of, Luke Skywalker played by like 14 different people in, in one weird ILM mashup, I guess. <laughs> Tamara Morrison as Boba Fett. Just kind of standing silently around a table in this episode. But he's there. Ming-Na Wen as Fennec Shand, and David Paskesi as the mayor's major domo, uh, and Jennifer Beals as Garza Whip, RIP, maybe? Oh, no. I know. <laughs> so sad. Yeah, it's really, it's really wild. Um, I'm not in the camp that, like, Boba Fett has to be in his own show, but it is really funny that he's in it and just doesn't say anything. I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's wild, but, you know, that's kind of in character for him. Totally, yeah. <laughs> you know, for gonna... once, he's acted like his old self, just sort totally. of standing around. I was thinking of him a little bit like the Rick Rubin of mm. Star Wars characters or Rick Rubin of Tatooine, where he's just kind of like <laughs> making it happen and just bringing yep. people together. You know, maybe if we did this, it would sound better. And, you know, if, or if we did this, if you acted this way and came with me, your life would be better. 100%. So. Yeah. And he's like <laughs> finally found his calling that he's going to be totally. that person who just brings all the family together into one big Tatooine desert family. Right. <laughs> that sounds like a traveling band, the Tatooine yeah. desert family. Sounds okay, good. yeah, I'd, I'd go see them. What may have happened in this episode, you say? Well, oh God, so much. <laughs> we were talking a little before we started recording, but like so little plot wise, but just so much, just so much. So we open on the deserts of Tatooine as members of the Pike Syndicate count their riches atop a speeder. They're approached by Cobb Vanth, whose hair is just like not affected by desert heat whatsoever. Mm-hmm. He's looking just great. He's looking fit. He's looking happy. He's looking healthy. But that his hair is just like, just won't quit. Great head um, of hair. Uh, and I, I know you're a big Scream fan. I I watched Scream 2 recently, and it's just yeah. funny to see Timothy Oliphant in Scream 2. Yes. As like the, uh, spoiler alert, as the killer and just like the manic killer and just being this like calm, cool, collected marshal in this episode. But yeah, we should talk about Scream at a later date, though. Yes. Uh, oh, definitely. <laughs> for that. Whenever. Uh, he tells them to beat it or pay the consequences. The Pikes draw their blasters on him, but Cobb draws faster, and two of them meet their demise while the third hands over the spice in exchange for its life. Uh, Vanth kicks over the container and the spice scatters to the wind. So fucking cool. That <laughs> like, part was so good. Yeah. And then it cut to the title, and I was just like, what? Yeah, is what does that? it mean? What does it mean? What does that mean? I just, what a great intro. What a great opening. Just like Dave Filoni firing and all his spaghetti western cylinders, just like <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's what a great moment of characterization for someone we know 
decently well, not as mm-hmm. well as like Din or obviously our favorite characters, but like to to just kick it over and just and, and let it scatter and just not care about it and like just he'd rather have it destroyed and like flex his muscles towards him that like yeah I can take whatever I want I'm the marshal of this town uh it's just such a cool just a great little bit of character building so and then the spice just goes into the desert and yes. turns everything into Arrakis from Dune right. <laughs> so like, and, then yeah, Dune sure. and then Dune and Star Wars <laughs> became the same universe Whoa, it's all coming together everyone just starts tripping balls in the desert I mean, uh, maybe <laughs> what do you think what do you think spice does in Star Wars do we know in rebels is the only time that they ever said oh it's a dangerous drug and then in i think in the thrawn books they talk about it as being a drug like it's it just seems to be like an addictive drug i think it's kind of like based on the way people talk about it it's like the heroin or cocaine or something sure. so not at all like it is in arrakis uh in dune like it's not like some mystical thing yeah there's no specifics about like what it does to you i guess makes you like trip out (laughs) right i've never seen any real mention of it and like star wars is so pure that they only go as far as to say like there are drugs in star wars but they don't Mm -hmm. tell you what they do you know Mm -hmm. i'm just kind of interested there's a line in the first season of mandalorian um where grief is like if you buy after uh, he gives um grogu to the Werner herzog and then (laughs) he's like oh if you get some spice then you'll forget all your troubles with this oh yeah so at least it makes you forget things. <laughs> yeah, it just messes you up. That's <laughs> yeah, it just messes you I up. Guess, thank goodness that we're in a place that we're, where we're talking about Carl Weathers talking about spice to Werner Herzog. You know, I still can't um, believe anything that we're getting from Star Wars these days because yeah. it doesn't feel real. <laughs> it feels like a spice dream for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, so after the opening credits roll, we catch up with Mando, who lands on a bamboo planet in search of his dear baby boy Grogu. <laughs> Um, he's greeted by our dear baby, R2-D2, and that's when I realized that this was real and happening, and I just mm-hmm. about died. R2 <laughs> guides him to a clearing where ant droids are building a Jedi temple brick by brick. Is this the same site as where the temple is in The Last Jedi? Is this? The I think same it place? has to be, right? Like, why else would they be building it and, like, making it be this whole thing? It, I think it is. That's what I'm. I don't know what planet this is, um, but it's certainly pretty. But I think that probably has got to be it, right? I just don't know if this is where it starts and then it expands. Is it like Sid Meier's Civilization style? Like, yeah, just build, slowly builds up that one temple into a big thing. Um, it was just, it was just was incredible to see, and it was just so fun to see those like ant droid things building them. Those things were so cool, and that was just like pure Star Wars whimsy there, just like mm-hmm. pure magic. All right, Absolutely. so then R two shuts down because that's what he does. For no reason all the time. He's on, the, on the fritz. Uh-huh. And so does Din, because the androids start to create a makeshift bench for him to nap on while he waits. And he exasperatingly, in his perfect Mando tone, is like, is that a bench? Like, so offended. <laughs> it made me laugh thinking of Pedro Pascal recording that little bit of dialogue like over and over again. They're like, say it a little bit more exasperated. He's just like, is that a bench? Meanwhile, Grogu meditates with Luke Skywalker in a clearing and tries to use the force to snag a frog as a light afternoon snack. Luke scolds him, but can't resist the urge to flex and demonstrates his force prowess by lifting an entire pond full of frogs without breaking a sweat. First of all, did you think Luke was ever going to come back? Did you think we'd ever see I him? didn't think so. I thought I was shocked. Absolutely shocked. I mean, and then I was just like, okay, we're doing this. Oh my God, this is real. I really thought they were just going to keep him for that 
episode stinger at the end of season two and just leave it with that and just I I didn't think that they would go that far and I'm still so not used to it like even seeing it at the end of Mando like I still can't believe I literally can't believe my eyes when I see him (laughs) it's he looks so real that I always find my brain saying that's not digital so who's that actor and like I my brain doesn't think it's like a deep fake thing. My brain thinks it's a real person that they cast and then starts like going through this whole like thing is, did they get a real actor this time? The first time it happened, I was like, is that a real actor? Like, who is that? Yeah, (laughs) what's happening? So much like Mark Hamill, (laughs) what's going on? (laughs) So I really, but then I was just like, as soon as I saw him, I was just like, Dave Filoni, you absolute madman. You're just doing it. (laughs) Aren't you? You're just gonna do it. I can't. You son of a bitch. You, you absolute monster. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just like, can't be stopped. How dare you? No, uh, honestly, how dare you do this to my mental health? Because I'm breaking down right now. <laughs> we've had a hard two years, Dave. What are you doing to us right now? It's the eyes. The eyes, like the the uncanny valley thing is not there. No. You know, where he, it's like, it, do, it doesn't approach anything resembling the uncanny valley. Because it's just like, this is Luke Skywalker. And it's, I, I don't know, I, it's so hard to explain. It's not even like Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. It's just like... It's just Luke. I was fine resigning to the fact that we were just going to see the androids building the temple. And Dave would be like, oh, I guess they're not here right now. Bye. Mm-hmm. And then like go somewhere else. And we would see, maybe see Grogu in Mando season three. And like eat my words from like the last podcast of saying, we're definitely going to see Grogu. And it's going to be awesome. I was just fine seeing these androids build the Jedi temple. And then all of a sudden it's just Luke and Grogu under a tree. And then that frog scene hit, and I was like, oh, my, oh God. my God, what is happening? Because that scene in miniature is just like a little, it's like a perfect lesson of the Force in general, because Grogu is using it selfishly. He's using it for like instant impulse and just like, I want to eat that frog right now. But Luke's like, mm, not right now. But he's like, look what it can do if you have patience and you wait and you train with me is you can lift all these frogs and like not necessarily eat all of them, but like you won't even think about the frogs after you know how to do all what I can teach you. And it's just like, man, I it could have just cut the credits right then. I would have been like, that was the best episode of anything I've ever seen. So it was so beautiful and it was just so lyrical. And I could I was so gobsmacked that I there was a second where I had to step take a step back and say, right now I am seeing a tiny little Yoda, <laughs> a digitally perfect recreation of Luke Skywalker levitating a bunch of frogs Mm -hmm. and i cannot believe that in the year of the lord 2022 (laughs) i am given this vision and it's real and that these little cyclops frogs with their little frog butts just floating in the air and i (laughs) am not on any drugs no spice no one one shoved a a lizard up your nose no lizard up the nose this is real i still can't believe it i can't believe and, and also, that is perfect Star Wars, because Star Wars can be so simultaneously the most lyrically beautiful thing you've ever seen, and just so weird when you take a step back. You're like, oh, totally. I am absolutely taken by these frogs <laughs> that are floating in the air. And the music is just beautiful behind them, and it's like mm-hmm. there's little one-eyed frogs floating. It shouldn't be this beautiful. It but, really shouldn't, but yet it is. Uh, yeah, the two take a stroll through a bamboo thicket, 
I'm going to like pass out just reading all it's, this. Yeah, you can't even. <laughs> it doesn't feel real. <laughs> Luke assisting Grogu's steps by pulling him along with, with the force as they go, which is like just such a nice little touch. And Luke tells Grogu of Yoda saying his heart was huge. And he told him that size matters not and that he spoke in riddles and asks if Grogu remembers anyone back home like him. Do you think he meant back home like the Jedi temple or like where Grogu's and Yoda's are from? But. When I first heard it, I thought he meant the temple and I thought he was trying to sort of see if he knew Yoda, but there's very, there's a very good chance he might be asking if he remembers anyone like Yoda. It's like some might, might say you are a baby Yoda. <laughs> so <can you laughs> tell me more about well, that. Tell me more about this baby Yoda. Yeah. Um, he asks if he remembers anyone like him back home or if he even remembers home and then offers to help him remember. And then, uh, Puts his, Luke places his hand on Grogu's head and we flash back to the Jedi Temple on Coruscant during Order 66 as Grogu looks on in fear while Jedi are slaughtered by clone troopers. Of course, Dave Filoni is the one that's directing this episode and it's going to show us full full on Revenge of the Sith scenes and like the downfall of the Jedi through the eyes of Grogu with little like lightsaber trails in his eyes. Is he inside of a, a box or a bag or something? He's got He's like looking through a little peephole. I felt like he might have been in his little like floaty thing but now that you mention it a little peephole he might have been hiding somewhere because we don't quite see how he escaped right and like there's people right in front of him like fighting off the clone troopers and can i just say that dave filoni i need to have a talk with him about how many times (laughs) he's gonna make me watch order 66 happen because i don't know how much more my heart can take it (laughs) um but he just insists on having it happen in everything he touches but also i i was simultaneously so emotional about what was going on and so excited at more live action clone troopers because i love clone troopers and i was just like live action clone troopers was looking good I really wanted one of them to take their helmet off because here's what I thought was going to happen. But it's okay that it didn't. I was like, what if one of them takes their helmet off and he sees he looks like Boba Fett? And then what if he meets Boba Fett down the line? And then it's like, what? (laughs) And then like, he's like, what if that becomes a thing? But maybe they'll go there. I don't know. I thought that was going to happen in that minute, but then they they weren't going to kill us that much. So it's like immersion therapy from Dave Filoni. He's like, as long as we just keep showing you this over and over and over again, you'll get over it. But I don't think it's going to work. And um, that's a really interesting thought. Like, what if he Grogu like resented Boba Fett because he was had PTSD from clone troopers taking over the Jedi Temple? That's crazy. That's yeah, like it's like you, in, that's when you get into real galaxy Star Wars. Yeah, in Rebels, Kanan's all like won't trust Rex because he experienced Order sixty six, and he's like, that's a clone. Clones, clones kill Jedi. So I mean, like, there's it's very possible that Grogu might have that reaction if he knows what a clone trooper is. But then again, we don't know exactly how young he was when it happened, how cognizant of things he was. But I, I don't want to breeze over too much to Luke telling Grogu about Yoda and just Oh my God. The reverence with which he talks about Yoda and he's I just need you to know about this person that was very important to me as well. But just the two of them just strolling through and Luke is now Luke is now the Yoda in the situation and it's kind of it's like the complete visual reverse of empire and, and return of the Jedi where, I mean, these are the, the surface level, like amazing things that are happening visually, but it's just like so wonderful to think about Luke as finally taking over the mantle and taking over this, the reins of rebuilding the Jedi for better or worse. We'll talk about more in depth in a second about yeah. if what he's doing is the right way to go about it, but just having that flip and having him Luke be the wizened, not so impulsive one strolling like peacefully through the forest was just a really beautiful 
it's a really peaceful episode overall. There's a lot of walking through the forest and climbing trees and experiencing nature, which is obviously not an accident. Yeah, I feel like they made it peaceful on purpose to like help us keep our heart rate down because they knew that what we were seeing otherwise amongst this like very zen um, environment would just absolutely kill us. <laughs> so awakened by a snapping twig, Din draws his blaster on Ahsoka Tano and I went, I screamed again a second time. I was like, no, <laughs> Mr. Filoni, sir, we, we need to have a talk. All right. <laughs> And informs her he's the first to visit. He's here to visit Groku. Ahsoka saying, I'm a friend of the family. Oh, my God. Nearly killed me at, at 7 a.m. I was, like, gripping onto my couch. There's, like, hand marks on my couch. When that could have been all, but it's not all. We'll we'll get no. to that. But it could have been all she even said about that. But just being like, oh, my God, Ahsoka is existing in the same place as Luke Skywalker. Okay, so then Ahsoka informs him that Grogu will be the first student of a great Jedi school takes Din on a walk, telling him that his attachment to Grogu would be difficult to let go of. Din informs her that he sees Grogu as a Mandalorian foundling in his care and is responsible for him. Din challenges Ahsoka, asking her why it's okay for Luke to train Grogu when she declined herself. Ahsoka replies that she doesn't control the wants of others. Din says it's his choice to see Grogu, and Ahsoka points to the hilltop where Grogu is sitting alongside Luke. Din gives Ahsoka the gift to pass on to Grogu and making sure he's protected and leaves the planet with Grogu longingly reaching out for him. <laughs> heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. That, that was another how dare you moment was like, you didn't have to put that reaction shot of Grogu reaching, like reaching for the ship as it leaves, but you did it. The conversation mm -hmm. Ahsoka and Din while they're walking reminded me of like the inverse or, I mean, it was a pretty similar conversation, but obviously from the other point of view that, um, Mando had with the armorer the previous week about attachments and what is Grogu technically? Who does Grogu belong to? If anybody is Grogu just undo himself as his own little creation in the universe at this point, but just that, but that like rat attack and like back and forth between the two of them, yeah. I thought was really great and really insightful and interesting. Yeah. And I thought that it was interesting. I'm trying to figure out, we don't know that much about what hap what's happened to Ahsoka to get her to the point that she we see her in this mm -hmm. since we last saw her in the animated shows. Um, I'm sure that's going to be covered more in the Ahsoka show, sure. but I'm just like working on like what, is her point of view here? Because she's asking a lot of open-ended questions. She's not really like giving a whole lot of, this is my opinion on things, which is right. very much her, especially in her older years. Um, mm -hmm. But I feel like, exactly. But I also feel like she, she's such a non-traditional Jedi. Like, is she even a Jedi anymore? So I wonder why she's even asking these questions about attachment. Because I feel like she may have moved beyond that by this point. But then again, she might just be giving the choices to him to like think through. When she says that, she says um, that she doesn't control the wants of others. I mm -hmm. um, thought that was a really insight. That's just good life advice, period. But like uh, also just kind of, like you said, throwing things back at him and asking open-ended questions and she, you know the, the classic like, what are you doing here? And she's like, that's my question to ask you. Mm -hmm. You get the feeling that this is going to be filled in in her show, obviously, but also... Mm -hmm in a later date, like kind of filling in more of their relationship between Ahsoka and Luke, because as we'll see in a second too, Lo Ahsoka, it was fun to see her 
as like the senior Jedi, you know, the senior mm-hmm. ranking Jedi member where Luke's just like, am I doing this right? But he's oh like, my God, he's, yeah. he's reached the level of master. We'll get to it. But like, he's reached this point and he's still, he's asking Ahsoka, which in my head was kind of flipped around. Like Ahsoka's still young snips, you know, but she's more of a master than Luke is, whether she's a Jedi or not is up in the air. But mm-hmm. in terms of like force experience and experience in the galaxy and in battle and with um, Jedi training, she's his superior, you know, just interesting to like, why is she there? I just, it, I don't, I saw a few people pointing it out as like a plot hole or like, why would she be there? And it's like, it's like a mystery. Like it's going to be. Yeah, answered. we'll figure it out. Or it doesn't need to be answered. It's like, maybe she's just like, what's up, Luke? Filoni doesn't do plot holes. Everything's yeah. going to come back. <laughs> none, of these pe- none of these people do plot holes. You know what I mean? No. Like, I think a lot of people have like, sequel trilogy PTSD where they don't, you know, like they didn't have a plan. They didn't have a plan. And so they don't think anybody has a plan anymore. These and people have a these, plan. These people have a plan. <laughs> At this point, Luke is carrying Grogu around in the backpack from Empire. Very relatable. Luke getting in his like middle ages like I am. I'm just like, I got to reuse things. This is mine now. I got to make sure this stays in good shape. Got to use it. Yeah, Luke unstraps Grogu from his back and continues his training, instructing him to use the force to jump. This part was really great. Uh, mm-hmm. just being, Luke being like, is that really all you got, dude? He uh, repeats Yoda's famous do or do not. There is no try back to him, but don't try. Do is like Luke's version. But this was just a charming little scene where Grogu's trying to jump and just can't quite get it. It's just that puppet too that puppet just looks so good and so cute and it's just so good jumping up in the air (laughs) how much did you miss grogu i didn't Uh, i didn't know i missed him this much until i saw him again and i was like we're seeing a little baby seeing a little baby (laughs) i yelled buddy at the top of my lungs at like 7 a.m i i I, but the thing is i i really miss him with din so what i really want is them to get back together I just, uh, I just, you know, we'll see what happens, but it's just so heartbreaking. I think about Din when he's like, he's just right there. No, oh, came all his way. So he's just sad. right there. Yeah, just the way he says it. Um, but yeah, Luke straps Grogu in, and they take off through the woods again, echoing the Empire Strikes Back training training scene. But now, like Luke in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. bounding and leaping with ease through murky ponds and atop tree stumps across the lake, over like a water buffalo thing too, which is just like. Such a magical scene to watch. It's just this is Luke Skywalker bounding around the countryside with a with like a Grogu, like a, a baby Yoda in his backpack. On our TVs, in our homes, me in my pajamas. Like we don't we don't deserve this. <laughs> I don't know what is happening. <laughs> We're spoiled, spoiled, rotten. I was like scrubbing through my phone on Disney Plus to write the recap and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm watching Luke Skywalker jump around. The water on my phone what is happening what is like where uh, are we i it's not real i can't <laughs> luke we love you he climbs to a clearing with grogu climbs shimmies up like a bamboo tree points out to the clearing to grogu and shows him that the wider world around them is balanced nature is balanced and in time grogu will find balance in the force as well and this is just more of what you were talking about about like we need these like serene tree this part reminded me very much of visions i can't remember the was it the the bride the The village bride the village bride that episode Mm -hmm. where it was all very much about how the force is derived from nature um and like the blowing wind and things like that it was very it was very anime very much the samurai influence of nature being your guide and your influence and i don't know and i i noticed that the last time um during the jedi episode from last season of mando um was very Miyazaki inspired, like sure. super um, Princess Mononoke vibes. And it's totally. clear, we all know that uh, Filoni loves Miyazaki. And this one also just screamed Miyazaki to me. 
um, in like the, the scenes of the beautiful nature, even just something as whimsical as frogs levitating. You're just like, that is something that would be in a Miyazaki movie. Straight up. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, even the music kind of resembles it a little bit. Even the oh, score totally. resembles it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, <laughs> then we get just Grogu floating midair and Luke just working on a saber training, you know, no big deal. No Everything's big. fine. Um, <laughs> We're all still alive. <laughs> see, everything's going great. And uh, a- after this, Luke enlists a tr- uh, classic training remote to hone Grogu's reflexes even further. You know, Grogu kind of just like rolls it away. This is so uh, good. It's so yeah. good. And it, you know, uh, gets zapped over by the training remote and Luke tells him, get back up, always get back up. And that's Luke just spitting good life advice. It's just great. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Also kind of Miyazaki-ish or like anime-ish is just like Grogu bounding from rock to rock as the training remote is firing after him pure magic just a magical moment of is it cg is it a puppet what is happening what's going on but i could have watched that scene forever of just grogu jumping around the river uh but uh, grogu cuts it short by just being like i'm over this and crushing the remote with the force and looks like yeah good job you did it um (laughs) i was surprised that he was like good job because it was a little bit of an aggressive moment from grogu yeah so i don't know if it's reading into it too much it's just like is luke allowing a little bit of that to come in that aspect of it or is it just kind of like just part of the story this is 100 percent just beginner luke i feel like like this is beginner jedi master luke and i get the vibe that he's just trying to figure this out as he goes and i don't think he really this grogu's his first student we find out in this episode i don't think he really knows what he's teaching quite yet (laughs) i think he's still learning and i think that he's like well i'm doing basically what yoda taught me in in touch with the force but also like he, I don't think he's come up with a mission statement for the new Jedi. Like, I don't think right. he knows what's quite what's up. So maybe he's like, uh, I guess that's right. He he used the force. He thought creatively. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just think he doesn't quite know what he wants either. Yeah, it does. I mean, you're you're a preschool teacher, correct? Yep, one hundred percent. It is a little bit like it is a little bit like that. Like coming into a class on your first day of, mm-hmm. for your first year of teaching and being like letting the kids take advantage of you a little bit because you don't know what's going on. Yeah, because you're not sure exactly how you're going to run your classroom. So you're like, oh, you did it. (laughs) Right. And it says you're still going to be the one that's like in control, but his office like isn't even decorated or anything Mm -hmm. yet. You know, he's just Mm -hmm. moving in. Yeah. Uh, his office is even it's, built an, it's not built. Yeah. I hate to refer to a Jedi temple as an office. That's that feels. I wrong, mean, so. yeah, but like in many ways it is. And I think that <laughs> could be Luke's problem is that he's having a hard time divorcing himself from the old way of doing things, which got totally. very. Didn't go well. No. Didn't go great. <laughs> I want to talk about a little bit of that too later on. Just oh, yeah. the, perce- the perceptions of like what's going on with Luke to the fandom and discourse is just like, oh, I want to respond to that a little bit later. But oh, um, for sure. At this point, Ahsoka approaches to ask how his training is going. Uh, so something really interesting and something that I really loved is he tells her that he's not so much training Grogu as Grogu is like remembering. He's just kind of, you know, getting his groove back and just remembering mm-hmm. uh, like it's after summer vacation. And he's just popping back into his lessons. You know, he's it's all coming back to him because he had like a form of amnesia, right, from being... That's uh, what we seem to have picked up because yeah, it's it's a little hard to tell, but like it seems like his memories are coming back to him. So must mm-hmm. suggest that something happened to yeah. make his Repressed memories go memories. away. 
it just yeah she just comes in and just checks in and this was that that really interesting dynamic i was talking about where ahsoka's kind of the one in charge of this and she's just kind of like mm-hmm. how's it going for you she's like the principal <laughs> she comes in and it's just like everything okay in here how's everything how's your first week going with this guy um and her saying sometimes the student guides the master is just so cutting and so my heart just my brain just started swimming at that point god yeah and then and then she presents luke with mando's gift for grogu as luke is telling her that he's wondering if grogu's heart is in it he just sounds despondent and just sort of like concerned and worried about how it's going and ahsoka this is the part where i blacked out pretty much because yeah i was like is there more of the episode because i keep blacking out when she says you're so much like your father and it's just like, my God, what are we doing here? We have Ahsoka Tano standing next to Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker. Ahsoka Tano just said to Luke Skywalker, who <laughs> right. is on my screen looking real. You are so much like your father, who is Anakin. I just, what Deep the breaths. fuck? <laughs> I can't. I, I just breath. about, I, I. I literally melted off my couch at that point, like onto the floor. <laughs> just, off of it. just like remember that old, the old like anti-drug commercial, uh, where it's just the, there are two people passing a joint back and forth, and it's just the one person like melted. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> that yeah, was me. I just that's melted. What I'm picturing when you said that, you were just like, it's <laughs> just Stephanie. liquid. Stephanie. Just like Terminator Two <laughs> on the floor. Uh, it's funny that you say Terminator Two. I was, was going to say Alex Mack. Yeah. Oh well, you know, <laughs> similar touch point. <laughs> it's kind of basically the same thing. Yeah. Um, Luke is looking to Ahsoka for advice here, and it's just like, I don't really know what I should do. Am I doing this right? He's he's lacking that confidence, and he's lacking that direction. And it's really fun, and it's really great to see Luke in the setting because I think this is the my biggest argument against people saying that it's nostalgia and fan service to have Luke in the show is because we don't know this Luke. Mm-mm. We don't know this Luke at all. I mean, we think we know him because. This is the Luke we've pictured in our imaginations between Return of the Jedi and like whatever happens next before the sequel trilogy, et cetera, et cetera, for so many years. And to finally see it is not fan service. It's just like he's a character in the show. Yeah. He's a char- he's a he's he's a character who's also getting further character development. People use the word cameo wrong lately and it drives me crazy. It's like it's definitely not it's not a can- these aren't cameos. These are characters in, in a Star larger, Wars. In a narrative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I completely um, agree. It's Luke Skywalker. The Skywalkers are the key characters of Star Wars. So to have them appear in the <laughs> in the narratives of Star Wars, it's not a cameo. It's how stories work. Right. Exactly. Skywalkers. Ever heard of them? Yeah. yeah it's like having characters. Every time people are like small universe or cameo fan service overload in Star Wars, I'm like, the way that stories work is you introduce characters who you follow and they meet other characters and those right. characters interact and they impact each other. That's not right. fan service. That's storytelling. <laughs> I just, yeah. yeah. I mean like people and yeah, there's that pop, pop culture weight. It's Luke Skywalker and he's digitally there, which is, you know, a, a wild thing for people to get used to. And so that can mm. maybe make a little people kind of do a double take, but when it comes down to it, it's just what's right for the story. Sure. Just makes sense. Absolutely. It does. And yeah, these like Filoni and Favreau and, you know, I guess Robert Rodriguez too is like doing, I'm not even sure what at this point, but they're, they're not going to pull that lever or push that Luke Skywalker button unless it makes the most sense possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and the amount and- of times that Filoni or the other folks working in Star Wars storytelling on the animated shows have proven that like 
things that were like that is just pure fan service like bringing darth maul back it turns out to be like one of the best stories star wars has ever told like totally we should trust them at this point yeah they've they've uh their credentials check out yeah. <laughs> at this point so um ah- ahsoka tells luke to trust his instincts ahsoka tano is like guiding luke still at this point mm-hmm. um using what she's learned and what she knows about his family and his father and all these things and it's just like she does she is kind of letting him like she said earlier she's not one for um deciding things for people and to no. the point where she sees luke kind of flailing a little bit and she's still like you got this bro you got it you can do mm-hmm. this and it's just interesting to see that what it could go so badly especially so early on but she's just like if this is going to move forward then we get we have to build it the way it needs to be built or rebuilt the jedi order needs to be rebuilt in such a way that we can't have so many dogmatic principles on top of it. We just got to let Luke do what he thinks is best. And she backs away and is just like, may the force be with you. Puts her you know, fist on her chest and she's out. Kind of a comforting thing to see, but also a little bit of foreboding to it, especially knowing what happens later on. It Again, makes me wonder great. too, how much they talked, how much do they know each other? Like she's there sure. and then she's gone. So we don't quite know. The main thing I need to know, and I'm, we'll probably get this, but like, did he tell her I th- that he brought Anakin back because I think that that would be so key because she knows that Anakin became Darth Vader. Right. We see how she reacts to that in Rebels. Does he tell her, oh yeah, I brought him back? Like, I sure hope so. And I feel like based on the way she's carrying herself, it seems like it, but because right. she trusts Luke, she's not like, right. oh, you're like your dad, you're going to go bad. But like, I just am so interested in seeing how that plays out yeah just the two the two of them next to each other is just like electric because there's so the implication and the in the history there unspoken is just so fascinating and it's just so mm. I, I completely agree it's just like what was said what was the conversation how did they meet what's going on yeah. and and that, what's the backstory that's, that's another thing with questions like this too it's not like i don't understand when why people don't wonder about things as opposed to judge things like instead of saying like how is that happening? Why is that happening? They're like, I, it's like, how is that happening? Why? Like, I didn't know that that could happen. Um, what, what does that mean for the future of this thing that I enjoy so much? And, and that's, I, I don't know. Just yeah. And that's Star moment. Wars. Star yeah. Wars is supposed to incite wonder, not like angered confusion. And, you know, maybe it's incited <laughs> angered confusion in some people in 77, but in most people yeah. it incited wonder and that's how it works. <laughs> it definitely incited anger in my mom who hates Star Wars and, uh, <laughs> So <laughs> I incited wonder in my mom who was yeah. uh, super stoned when she saw it and all the, the things yeah. going over her head. And she was like, yeah, <laughs> 77. So, you know, teach their own. <laughs> Tell your mom that I kept, I kept that spirit alive with the force awakens when I saw it. And I was really oh, stoned good. <laughs> in, in 3d and we saw it in the front row in IMAX and we, we were just like cracking up the whole time because it was like star destroyers were like three inches from our noses. And it was oh, just yeah. the funniest thing in the world at the time. But um yeah, <laughs> that that star destroyer going going over your head in the seventies when you've just yeah, yeah. oh my god, it's like the, it's like the train pulling into the station in that first yes. you know, first movie ever. But yeah, yeah back so, to the back to the uh, Star Wars blowing to, our minds. Back to, back to reality. Yeah. So Din arrives back on Tatooine, where Fennec is rallying Boba's crew and giving intel on the Pike Syndicate, informing them that they lack the numbers to make an effective stand. Din heads to Moss Pelgo, excuse me, Freetown. There you go. Loved that. Uh, mm-hmm. Aftermath book shout out. 
flying by a sand crawler with an amazing new crate dragon hood ornament, which I'm assuming is from the last time that we were in uh, Mos Pelgo, to try to persuade Cobb Vanth to join the cause, their bros. Uh, I don't know, a little flirty bros. Look, they're, they're def- <laughs> they were super... Can I I buy you a drink? They were super flirty. Very flirty bros. All right. So then Din explains the situation to Cobb over a drink, telling him he needs to lead a garrison. Cobb Vant is flirty again about his attractive smile. (laughs) So then Cobb Vant pushes back, but he says his people don't want to fight anymore after they slayed the crate dragon. So there's no reason for them to risk their lives for Boba. And then Dean lives with nothing more than a maybe. But as he takes off Cobb Vant, asks his Weequay bartender, I got to pause for effect there, big Weequay bartender to rally the townspeople. Hookway, Weequay. Weequay. Uh, do you want to take it from here or should I handle the the grand entrance? <laughs> I just wanted to mention real quick that in that bar, I loved the addition of the rib cage of the crate dragon <sighs> to, the, to, the, to the decor. The attention but- to detail. They just, just were like, yo, we're going to pra- we're going to decorate with our victory here. Right. Time has passed in Attack of the Clones to show that time has passed. Watto's wearing a hat to show that time <laughs> has passed in this show. There's a rib cage inside the bar. It's just, you it's know, just storytelling people. It's just storytelling. Yep. <laughs> um, but I would be I, I would like you to have the honors of doing the intro for this. So. All right. So then in the distance, a mysterious silhouetted figure appears Vanth asks everyone to head inside while he handles it. All right. I just got to pause here for a second because I, this is the second time that this show has done a call out to Lawrence of Arabia as a massive Lawrence of Arabia fan. I was just like, Oh my God, there it is. Little guy in the (laughs) distance. Who's it going to be? And I just, my mind was just going through who it could be. I still didn't know, but then I saw a hat. So here we go. Cad Bane appears. I screamed. The second I saw the hat, I screamed. <laughs> Free- <laughs> and he tells Cad Bane, live Cad action, Bane. appears to tell Freetown to stay out of it. And they'll pay them double whatever Boba Fett is paying them to do so. The marshal tells Bane that Tatooine is closed for business. And Cad Bane executes the town's deputy and mortally wounds Vanth after a good old-fashioned Western-inspired duel. Cad Bane. Oh my god, it was Cad Bane. (laughs) And I don't know what it is because Luke messed me up. But I already got Luke in the end of Mando season two. So maybe I was prepared for it. Sure. Cad Bane messed me up even more than Luke, which is wild. Because I just... And I heard rumors, people speculating. I mean, it might make sense for the story. And I was still like, okay, that'd be cool. But, yeah. oh, my God. And I love Cad Bane. I just think he's such a good character. He's so love consistently him. scary. Like, yeah, I just love a, a, a bounty hunter that is just so intimidating and scary. And you know when he shows up, it's no joke. Like, he's going to mess yeah. you up. Shit's going down. It is. And from the, his first appearance in Clone Wars, I was like, who is this guy? And then, like, Bad Batch, just, like, he just takes every... He takes the stakes to another level every time he appears. And he was so... He looked so good. He had no right to look so good. He looked so good. He was just as intimidating and scary, despite the fact that he is a blue person with (laughs) what is essentially a kind of, like, gruffer version of Stitch's voice from Lilo and Stitch. He's still... (laughs) is absolutely terrifying and i was just 
it was so perfectly done. And I just felt like it could have easily not worked, but in right. the, the oh, hands yeah. of our, our Dave Filoni directing it, it worked so well. It worked to the point where I think that it would work for people who aren't familiar with the character. Like totally. they would be immediately understand that this is somebody to be feared. Not to be messed with. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to my parents about it because they they watch this show. They watch they've watched all the live action Star Wars shows, but they haven't watched the animated. And I just can't wait to talk to them about it because I just can't wait to hear the point of view of somebody who doesn't know who that is. Yeah, of like what do they think of that character's appearance? Um, totally, because yeah, they they nailed the intro for him in even without any of the history and weight of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still doing campaign stuff when he shows up and just being <laughs> like is. a huge badass, super scary. The teeth. I'm glad they kept the pointed teeth, and he's just. Mm-hmm. I think he's even more intimidating in person because it's just yeah. like I don't know. His hat was like a little small, and it was it made me laugh because like his hat. <laughs> His hat's so big in the in the show, I think, right? His hat's bigger. In the show. His hat's I'm bigger, being, but you I, you could chalk I'm not it up to, to nitpick, yeah. You could chalk it up to stylized animation. Maybe totally. they thought the hat yeah. looked a bit too silly to be that big in live action. It's um, just fun. I, I'm not trying to be nitpicky. I I really I really loved this whole part and how, and um, just the the foreboding nature of of Cobb Vanth being like especially after talking to Din in this like safe place and being like, we've had enough to know that it's danger right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I was speculating that Cad Bane, that Fennec would kind of form an uneasy alliance with Cad Bane up to help Boba against the Pikes. But that to me is my fault for completely underestimating and thinking about Cad Bane ever aligning himself with anything having to do with good ever. Uh, yeah. Of, of course he's going to show up and be like, lay low stay out of this or we're going to kill you. Uh, yeah. But the Pikes let it play out. And when the way he says Boba Fett is a cold-blooded killer that used to work for the Empire, there's just so much weight and history mm-hmm. and like just hatred there. And it's it's wonderful. And then the Fennec, the Fennec aspects, and she like yes. completely handed his ass to him in Bad Batch. So it's oh like- Oh my God, I cannot wait. hatred there. Yeah, there's seething hatred there. And it's like, we're going to see Cad Bane- like fighting on Tatooine against Boba Fett and Fennec Shan and like Black Kern Satin and everything like that. I think she was a little baby in Bad Batch, like, and she kicked his ass and nobody kicks Cad Bane's ass. And like, she didn't like kill him, but she really kicked his ass. So I can't wait to see that rematch. Um, But the other thing I thought about was that I think that Boba, like little little Boba (laughs) got him like, I think he might have been the, one of the only people to actually like get Cad shoot Cad Bane in a shootout that we've seen. Sure. I mean, we didn't see it. We've seen the storyboards and the the stuff like that, and then the presence of his head plate in the Bad Batch suggests it happened that way. Right. Um, so there's that history there, and it also just made me think. I really hope that um, Cobb Vanth is alive. I don't know. Totally. But I mean, like people ran to him, so I sure hope so. But it also reminded me of the fact that I wonder if Cat, I don't know if this might be a theory that I'm just going off of, but Cad Bane is such a good shot. I wonder if he like purposefully let some people live, like because it kind of reminded me of in Bad Batch when he shot Hunter in a similar kind of thing, but then Hunter's alive. It's, but it felt similar. And I was like, everyone's like, oh my God, is Hunter dead? But it's like, no. But, I wonder if he like, cause he killed that deputy and oh, then he's dead. I he's wonder, dead. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's dead. And I wonder if Cad Bane like is like, I get a good vibe from you. I'm going to like shoot you in a non-essential internal organ sure. to like keep you going. I don't know. I don't know. Just I just, wing you. 
just a thought I had because it reminded me of when he shot Hunter but didn't shoot to kill Hunter. And it made me think I was like, I think Cad Bane would know how to shoot to kill. So I don't That's, know. Just a thought. He, and he definitely shot that deputy to kill. He shot like, yeah, shot exactly. like 17 times. But oh, yeah. I, I, I wrote I wrote mortally wounded in here just because it sounded good. I don't necessarily think that he's a, a goner because he did have everyone everyone running to his side. No, did anybody run to the deputy's side? No, no one cares about that deputy. Like, Sorry, oh, dude. That's, that's too bad that the deputy got shot, right? Uh, God, <laughs> and someone's like, I care about the deputy. Oh, uh, oh, yeah, you're still going. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, yeah. I, I got so distracted by this. All right. So back in Mos Espa, the Pikes enter Garza Flip Sanctuary carrying a Camtono and quickly find a seat. Her assistants offer to shine their helmets, but they refuse, then get up and leave as quickly as they can. A service droid chases them with the Camtono they left behind. Clear call out to the Untouchables as it explodes, taking out the sanctuary and everyone inside. Can I say another thing that I felt like this reminded me of? Sure. All right, deep cuts here. Sure. Um, I, you know, used to be a huge fan, me and my sister both, and we were like share a Star Wars fandom, used to sure. be um, super obsessed with the HBO show Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. And um, we were like... I remember back when we were really into Boardwalk Empire and got like super into like 1920s gangster stuff. As a result, we were like, that was about the time that they were talking about the uh, rumored Star Wars Underworld show before the purchase. And I just kept thinking, oh, that would be so cool. Like my love of gangsters collided with my love of Star Wars. And a lot of people have talked about how this show is like that. Like it seems like this might have been something like what we were going to get with that. Totally. Well, two Boardwalk Empire things so far. First, the guy who's like the water dude, like, oh, those those punk mod kids are drinking my water. That actor, he was a uh, like interesting, similar character on Boardwalk Empire. Oh, uh, wow. Named Gaston Means. And my sister and I were just immediately like, that's Gaston Means. Oh, my God. He's <laughs> he's in every gangster thing. And then on top of that, this really reminded me, spoilers for Boardwalk Empire, but it's been a while since that show has been out. <laughs> This really reminded me of, I think it was in season three, where there's like this nightclub that everyone loves called Babette's and like has a really hot host and she's like, everyone loves her. And then at the end of season three, it blows up and everyone's like, oh my God, Babette's blew up. The bad guys blew up Babette's. And immediately, (laughs) as soon as this happened, I was like, they blew up Babette's again. (laughs) They blew up the hot host of this hot restaurant. How dare they? So yeah, Untouchables and Boardwalk Empire right there. Yeah. Don't blow up hot hosts. No, she better be alive. But I don't think she is because Babette didn't survive Babette's blowing oh, yeah. up. So I don't know. I don't think Garcia Flip is, is alive no, anymore. Oh, she's to so shine. beautiful. Yeah. And those assistants are are not alive to shine any more helmets as either. So at least she got a good scene with the with the Wookiee with the black Chris Anton. Jennifer Beals was like, I I blow up in two episodes, so I got to really make this. I got to have a good thing. scene. Yeah. Um, what? Why do you, I mean, besides just like gangster stuff, why do you think they did this just to kind of send a message that like, hey, we're in town and we're like, don't mess with us. It's just we're taking I don't out. know. Like, did they think that Boba was going to be there or something? Or did they? Because I don't know if she really aligned herself with Boba. Like, she's been kind of just playing her her cards the way that she does between whoever's in power. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. 
maybe they thought Boba was going to be there. I might just be yeah. thinking Boardwalk Empire, but that's what was happening sure. in Boardwalk. But I don't know. Yeah. It's like a, it's, I mean, it's the sanctuary. So it's like a part of the town that like is supposed to be like this big safe space kind of, mm. of luxury. So I wonder if that's just how they sent that message. Then at this point, we cut back to Luke's Jedi Temple. Uh, we thought we were done. We thought they were going to let us off the hook, but no, we're mm-hmm. right back on the hook. Uh, so back at the temple, he provides Grogu with Din's gift, which turns out to be a cute little Beskar chainmail. But before he can accept it, Luke offers Grogu a choice right out of Lone Wolf and Cub. Either, ex- either accept the gift and forsake the Jedi Order by giving into attachment, or accept Master Yoda's old lightsaber and become the first student in Luke's Academy in the Book of Boba Fett. I don't know. I still like. I can't. I still can't believe we're reading this or I wrote this summary I, that we get to talk about anything like this in the show. Just be, become the first student in Luke's Academy, learning the ways of the Force, and becoming a great Jedi. Torn by the choice that will define the rest of his extended lifespan, Grogu stares directly at the camera and straight into our souls. He's like, "What would you do?" Like that's kind of how I did. Are you a Simpsons fan? Yes. <laughs> the Who Shot Mr. Burns episode mm-hmm. where they're like, I couldn't possibly solve this mystery. Can you? And then they <laughs> point to Chief Wiggum. He's like, yeah, I guess so. I I, I hope so. I'm the police chief. Uh, it kind of rem- I thought something like that might happen. Where he's like, <laughs> will you help me out on this journey? This whole scene is in- so incredibly intense and just such a wonderful, either a lead into Mando season three. It couldn't possibly be the next episode that this choice is going to be made, right? I don't know. Is the next episode really the last episode of Book of Boba Fett? Because I, I I'm shocked question. by that. Like, is that true? Because <laughs> it doesn't seem <laughs> like it you're is. Like, you're like saying it, like, it so. I just don't understand. But yeah, I guess I was waiting for this lone wolfing cub scene to happen since Mando season two, and totally. I thought it was going to happen in Mando season two. So when it when I saw him like laying the things out, I was like. They're actually doing it. It's happening now, but it's Luke Skywalker doing it. I thought it was going to be Mando doing it. <sighs> That's, I just. <laughs> I'm speechless. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, to have it happen this way is another kind of just like chilling reminder of what happens to Luke later on as well. And like just pictures of the, like just picturing the Jedi temple burning down and um, feeling responsible for creating Kylo are turning Ben into Kylo and everything Mm -hmm. like that. And it's just like, this is where this makes or breaks it. Right. Yeah. This is a moment where it's like what, what Grogu chooses here is more than just like who he gets to see for the rest of his life. It literally defines the future of the galaxy, right? Either he goes off with Mando and, and gives into attachment and Luke finds someone, someone else, or, you know, Grogu becomes his first student and then Luke feels justified and, and and driven to create, to bring the Jedi order back at this temple. And it's just like, it's such, it's such, I would be, I would be staring at the camera too for help because I, it's just such an important and crucial fork in the road in star Wars period, not yeah. just for this show or for Mandalorian or anything. It's like a, a, a galaxy defining event. It feels like the other thing is that it's, it's galaxy defining because it's going to define the way that Luke shapes the Jedi because right. The fact that he is presenting this as a choice, one or the other, is the whole problem with the old Jedi Order was that they forced you to choose between exactly, the Force yeah. and attachment without recognizing the the complexities or benefits of attachment in certain ways. And like, you know, that's how they fell. I'm 100% think that. And, and Luke learns that 
over over time. We see that in The Last Jedi. And it's interesting to see him in this young, sort of brand new Jedi Master state. Not sure what he's doing. And he clearly hasn't learned the lessons of it yet. I think that he, if if this is him really asking Yoda, baby, sorry, Grogu, <laughs> baby Yoda, <laughs> Grogu. If this is him really baby asking boy. baby boy to make this choice, then he's not gotten the message yet. Ahsoka yeah. forgot to tell him the details <laughs> about why she left the Jedi in the first place. Or he is doing this on purpose in a way to like help Grogu realize that he doesn't have to make a choice, but I don't know. I I think you I I personally am of the opinion that I think Luke is just a naive little baby boy who's not ready to be a Jedi master the way that he <laughs> thinks he is yet. And that's right. okay because he doesn't have anyone to tell him. I mean, he has ghosts maybe to tell him, but I <laughs> I even think that I mean, we'll learn more about this in the Obi-Wan show, but like I don't think Obi-Wan has the perspective even to like admit how much the Jedi order had to do with their own downfall because he for all of his many virtues, one of his big flaws is that he still sort of believes in the Jedi order, even very rah rah for the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know. It's, it was fascinating. I think it's really, I think that, you know, I know I'm not really on the Twitter, but I know that a lot of people were like, what are you doing Luke about this moment? But like, I think that's important. We need to see Luke not quite know what he's doing in this yeah. stage of being a, a teacher and it makes sense that he wouldn't quite know what he's doing yet right um as a parent i related to this moment too where it's like you are bringing someone up from scratch basically mm -hmm. to and you can it's just the choices you make along the way and it's like you want desperately to not repeat the mistakes of the past or the trauma from the past or anything like that and you make a choice and you're like, I should, I should not have done that. Why did I? But you still, you still go along the route you know, even when you know it's not the right thing to do. And this is exactly that's exactly what Luke's doing here. I feel like is just saying like, I, you know, I don't want to do it like this, but it's just like how we've done it. And I just want to be this guy. I want to, I want to be the guy that's doing this. And it's just such a, it's, it's sometimes we go on autopilot because the other way is so much more difficult, or the other way is like just you know harder to obtain. And I think that that ultimately plays into the role of the Jedi as well, where, you know, again, you know, George Lucas saying the dark side, easily obtained, selfish, et cetera, et cetera. Luke, Luke is being selfish and showing that Jedi hubris here of saying like, no, I know everything went to shit because of us, but like, I'm going to rebuild it the same way right now in this moment. Um, and it's just, it just shows the human side of Luke, even though he's like the superhuman master of the force at this point. He's still a, a human being. He's still a person that makes that's flawed, uh, and it ends up crushing him later on. It just ends up breaking his brain completely, um, which is this is what I was talking about earlier in response to people saying like, "Oh, they're re they're redoing the sequels. They're they're going back and they're they're re revamping." It's like, no, you don't understand what's going. It's like they're re they're legitimizing them currently by saying like, "We're they're, this is the connective tissue and making it." making it make even more sense the same way that Clone Wars did with the prequels and kind of just mm -hmm. the, the yes and of it all. Um, Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just really, it's just, it's just amazing to see that, you know, I, I thought that the book of Boba Fett was going to be a show about just Boba Fett, like kicking ass and taking names. And now, now here we are with everyone's, everyone's identities 
being questioned and in in kind of uh this state of tumult and 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 uncertainty and it's like the last episode's not going to resolve all that but it's what, what's it going to be what's what happens next i have all right stephanie tell me exactly what happens next <laughs> look this has got to be either there's going to be a book of boba fett season two or the storylines of book of boba fett are going to resolve in season three of mando or something or they're going to drop another stinger at the end of this like they did last time with the whole mm -hmm. new series that we don't even know is happening but this <laughs> is all coming together into something wild i don't know what's gonna happen next i mean everyone's gathering on tatooine the pikes are here they're they just blew up the whole place everything's yeah. on fire Innocent they're ready people. to go yeah and so now we've got the mods we got uh fennec we've got bobo we've got mando we've got cad bane we've got Cobb Vanth, I feel like Cobb Vanth's gonna maybe be alive and then maybe those people are gonna join in. So I think we're gonna have like an all out war. But yeah. then how's this Grogu thing gonna come into it? And then how is it? There's gonna be Tuscans. I think there's gonna be Tuscans. There's gotta I think be, Tuscans. be Tuscans as well. There's gotta be Tuscans. There's gotta be Tuscans. <laughs> but like it makes sense. Maybe even Jawas. That'd be cool. What if like, <laughs> why, why not both? Um, and then the. I don't know if Grogu's going to come back or not. Is that going to be saved for like the next season of Mando? I don't know. I don't know. I can't even make predictions anymore. Every time I make a prediction, because last week I thought for sure, oh yeah, we're going to come back. It's going to be back to Tatooine and Mando's going to be like, I had a good time seeing my little buddy. <laughs> we'll see that scene in the season of Mando yeah. coming to Disney plus next year or whatever. But like, now I don't even know because they just gave us a whole episode of Luke Skywalker talking to Ahsoka Tano and then Cad Bane shows up. Literally anything's on the table. I, yeah. I mean, like Kira, that's been a rumor. Why not? Sure. At this point, it would be the least shocking thing they do. Han Throw Solo. Han Solo, just put him in there. Why not? Everyone, just put them all. <laughs> just like Dexter Jester flips a burger in the background. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Afra shows up and is like <laughs> ready to like what? Dr. Afra and Dr. Mandible like compare uh doctor's licenses. Yeah, they're doctorates. They're like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And we're like, this make this definitely this makes sense because in this episode of this show Is this final episode gonna be three hours long? Like you know, like, like I said earlier, like two episodes ago, I thought for sure I knew what the trajectory of the final episode would be or the, the path of the show. And now it's like it's not unfocused because they're clearly trying to take us somewhere specific, right? And not I don't think it's as cynical as like they're just trying to set up the next show. It, it's I'm sure it's part of it, but that's not the only reason they would do these things. And it's not to set up like Grogu coming in last second and cutting off a pike's head. Or, <laughs> that would be awesome I, though. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, there's, I said that out loud. I was like, but you know, maybe they've done such a good job of keeping it under wraps and keeping all the the dramatic tension of it put pulled together and keeping us guessing that it's literally impossible to understand what the conclusion of this, at least this season or the series or what, what. I've lost control of what's going on in my own life because of this episode. So, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, my just, brain just, is just shot. If there's, if there's something I could say that like I'm noticing is tying this all together thematically and back when I thought this was a show just about Boba Fett I was like this is the theme but then I it's continued to be reinforced is it's all about like choices and identity right. so you know we've got Boba 
deciding who he wants to be post Sarlacc. And then the Tuscans help him see with his vision quest and all these things that he doesn't want to be the same person anymore. And, you know, he's taking off his helmet. He's not like hiding behind his armor anymore. And then it's not, but, and so we're like, okay, so this is about Boba Fett making a choice to change his life. But then it's also about Mando, like realizing he's making a choice that, he can't i mean as much as he was forced out of his little mando mandalorian uh cult weirdos cult um he (laughs) i'm not a fan of those people (laughs) like guys chill out chill out um but uh as cool as the armorer is like they they're a little little weird but um yeah as much as he was forced out of it he also made the choice you know when he took his helmet off last season so like he chose to not be part of that and he's choosing I think to like be in a family with Grogu, but then he's also choosing in this moment to not be, but I think that he doesn't, you know, it's all about like trying to figure out where you belong. And then right. I think that Luke, you know, and Luke's trying to decide like, where do I belong in this like legacy of the Jedi thing? And Grogu's trying to decide very specifically with these two items laid out in front of him. So right. if there's anything, it's going to come to something to do with that. Like there's, there's a consistency of theme in what they're doing. But in terms of how that's going to work out in terms of story, like I am just on along for the ride. I have right. literally no idea. Literally no idea. Plot wise could not even begin to tell you because I would never in a million years guess that Luke Skywalker would be like bounding over water buffalo and on sticks in the middle of a river this week. I think what we're, we're doing is, you know, we, we need muscle. So let's bring Mandalorian into this. But we it wouldn't make sense to just bring him in without giving some thematic background to him and where he's at and how, how he does tie in. And then, but where he's at is trying to find his little baby boy, Grogu. So he needs to go visit him, but why let's go visit Grogu and see why. And, you know, Grogu is not just a gif or a meme or a a plushie you can buy at target. He's a character as well. Mm -hmm. That also is like, where, who am I without, without my dad, Din Djarin, am I a Jedi? His heart's not in it. And then, why is he confused about his training? It's because he's being trained by Luke Skywalker. What's Luke Skywalker got to do with it? So it's like this ripple effect of identity that keeps going down and down and down and down. And then I think it's going to at least come back to Boba in like a, a moment of like, is this who I am right now? Like a, a maybe sparing someone's life or a, a moment where, I don't know. I think just, just, just thematically, I think they're just trying to make all those story leaps make sense and not, not be forced fan service. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just don't, I don't know what that thing is going to be. Or what I don't know, but Maybe I trust it. them. I trust them after everything they've done so Implicitly, far. Yeah. I trust them. And I don't ever, I mean, like every, the moment in the past of this, like sort of interconnected show universe has anything that could be seen as fan service is actually just what makes the most sense for the plot. Like, right. So I just think that they're just, they're just telling a Star Wars story, and I just can't wait to see what happens next. But I, I don't know. <laughs> they're they're just doing. They're playing. We huh. thought we were coming for like checkers, and they're playing like multi dimensional chess for us. Right, exactly. Like you know, like we had no idea. We weren't prepared. <laughs> right. right. They're uh, the Jarek pieces. They're slamming us over the head with them right now. And yeah. Like, yeah. Absolutely. I, I like that our our series. Our speculation for the rest of the series was just like I don't know. I don't, well, I mean, like this. 
I feel like I have most of this episode of us talking has been me just being like, uh, like it's just been like, as you can hear from us, we are not well. Yeah, <laughs> this we're show fun. has we're messed fun. us up. That was I the don't thing, even like the, know. The pressure of putting out a podcast that was timely to talk about this episode was not enough time to fully process and comprehend what the I hell can't. we just saw. Yeah, I can't. So, so that's what uh, Star Wars is just doing to us now. It's just like breaking our brains to the point where we can't even process what we're seeing. But we're not, we're not messing around. No, they're not messing around. They're not um, messing around. But it's time to mess around with something we call the trials. We're moving on. Otherwise, we're just going to sit here going, huh? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> huh. Uh, are you ready to face the trials, Stephanie? I am as ready as I mean, after facing that episode, I'm ready for anything. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, if we can survive this, we can survive anything. So, let the trials commence. So, initially, you know, this I thought this episode was not playing any games, so there wasn't time to play a lot of games this week on the trials. But I did come up with something for you that uh, is inspired by Grogu's choice. It's a Star Wars this or that. Pretend I'm Luke Skywalker folding out a little uh, blanket and putting these two things on both sides of the blanket. Okay. Uh, which one I'm do you choose? Grogu. You're a little Grogu. You're a little Grogu. Congratulations. And uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to do it kind of rapid fire. So I, I'm good. not going to give you a lot of time to think about it. Okay. So round one, speeder versus spaceship. Mm-mm. Ooh, uh, spaceship if it's a TIE fighter. Oh, very specific. Yeah. <laughs> I have a tattoo of a TIE fighter. It's my favorite, but... Nice. What kind? Uh, the, the OG. <laughs> like, actually, I think that my artist used the Kenner proportions. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Like stubby, like stubby wings? Yeah, big stubby wings. <laughs> That's what they called me in college. Yeah. Uh, so lightsaber versus blaster. Mm, blaster. Surprising. Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. I like I like me some Han Solo stuff, so why not? Totally. Uh, Tatooine versus Jakku. Tatooine. Sure. Yeah. I think I know the answer to this one based on what you just said, but Jedi or Bounty Hunter? Bounty Hunter. Light side or dark side? Bendu. <laughs> Somewhere oh, in the well, middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like what the Night Sisters do, like wielding the yeah. dark side is magic, but like, is it the dark sure. side? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a vaguely dark side inspired. My boys just watched the um, episode of Rebels. Mm-hmm. Where Kanan gets like possessed by like the Dathomiri, like the Night Sister magic, and yes. they're just like, "What is going on?" I'm like, "I don't really know either." <laughs> so more on that later, boys. Yeah. But uh, uh, so yeah, Empire or First Order? Empire. Darth Maul or Darth Vader? Mm, Darth Vader, but that it is a heart. Mm, okay. <laughs> if it were Darth Maul or Anakin, I'd think. All right. Okay, I'll have to say Darth Vader because <laughs> Darth Vader is Anakin and Anakin's story is like the heart of everything. It's so interesting. But Darth Maul's story is amazing. So I like uh, this or that's are like impossible for Star They're Wars. They're in, in, like, well, it just depends impossible. on. Yeah, exactly. Like, what's the point of view? Just like holding regular Darth Vader up against Darth Maul and just go with Darth <laughs> Maul. But like thinking about his context as a character, I'm like, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Spice or death sticks? <sighs> death sticks. Because one yeah. of them is sold to you by that kid from the Matrix. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's Death Sticks. Evan sleeps Bagano. Yeah. <laughs> Go home and rethink your life. Yeah. Uh, Dathomir or Mustafar? Mm, definitely Dathomir. 
I, I figured as much. I just figured they're both evil, evil places. Yeah, so. yeah. But one's got cool witches who ride rancors, so. I mean, fair enough. The other one's got little robots. I mean, those robots are cool. Little lava, lava, lava robots. But you also get Darth Vader's castle, which I love. That is a, a good castle. Of, uh, a lot going on. Watto or Jar Jar? Oh, uh, <laughs> the longest pause yet. Jar Jar, I guess. Although I will say that Watto's <laughs> Watto's animation is the most impressive in terms that it holds up like really well. I feel like mm-hmm. even for movies that a movie that was made in the nineties. But I guess I mean Jar Jar is a better person. <laughs> so <laughs> Jar Jar. <laughs> Yeah, when it comes down to it. Yeah, it doesn't own slaves, so let's go with Jar Jar. Jar Jar's a better person is the funniest deciding factor possible. Um, Obi-Wan in Attack of the Clones or Obi-Wan in in Revenge of the Sith? Sith, for sure. All right, the Jesus look is okay, but like the beard is better in, in... in Revenge of the Sith. That's oh yeah. That's when I truly fell in love. Brooding dramatic. Oh yeah. Everyone. And then finally, Star Wars or horror? Star Wars. And I know wow. that, that I know. Look, that was so fast, but it's Star Wars. It's gotta be Star Wars. Horror is my my non-Star Wars love, but Star Wars takes precedence wow. amongst all I things. Including the fact that there's horror interactions with Star Wars. Uh, so there's a lot of good uh, horror crossover with Star Wars. <laughs> you f- really folded that back in. Mm-hmm. We're going to close out by asking all, what we ask all of our guests every week. Describe to us, uh, what would your first week be like as the daimyo of Tatooine? I would get the down low on all of the families that Boba got in like the third episode. I would get that right away. I think that he maybe took a little too long getting that situation under order about like where all the territory is and what all the vibes are. Um, I would do my best to get a rancor right off the bat because that clearly makes a big difference. And I understand they're not easy to come by, but it would be like priority number one. And then I would like install a good metal detector at the sanctuary because like, how could they just walk in with that? What's going on? So those I, are my I main things. Get rid of those curtains and uh, invest in some in some technology. I don't yeah. know what's going on. The sanctuary. Yeah. They go up to it and they're like, I asked to shine their helmet. I don't know what's going on. I don't really yeah. know what I'm supposed to do now. Yeah, a little bit more of a, a ocular pat down than that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, a, a good first week, it sounds like. I'm still Very... laughing at Silver from Into the Garbage Chute saying that she would hire Pelimoto with like no, no follow-up. And then like... Uh, just being like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's all I got. She gets things done too. So, I mean, I might do that. I would, th- my other step would be like to reach out to local talent and like gather everyone, like what Boba's doing. Do you think Pelimoto's going to come back and like, oh my God, what Pelimoto's like leading a garrison of Jawas at the end? Oh my gosh. And then makes out with one at the end. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past it. <laughs> this show is like ready. To- Probably about like makes out with a Jawa. It's like, and all then over. it's like a little Iris just going in on them, kissing yeah. the shape of a heart. Yeah, heart, <laughs> yeah like, for sure. <laughs> that's, that's the end of the show. And everyone's just like, Oh wow. That's the next series is like the will they won't they of Pelimoto and the Jawa. That uh, that about wraps up our discussion of chapter six of the book of Boba Fett. Holy cow. We probably could have gone another like three or four hours on it, but we had to keep yep. time in mind. Yeah, an amazing episode. Thank you, Stephanie, for uh, for hopping on and doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, super fun. Good luck to you next week when we figure out how this all resolves. <laughs> and uh, yeah, for next week, uh, we're working, fingers crossed, on a special guest for the season finale or the series finale. 
question mark. Who knows? Working on a little special surprise. If it doesn't uh, happen, we'll have another special guest on to be talking about it anyways, and we'll still have fun. So It's going to be Luke, right? It's, it's Luke Skywalker. Skywalker yeah. <laughs> you got him. Thank you for having me. Uh, so yeah, we'll, have, we'll stay tuned next week for Luke Skywalker to discuss the season, the season finale. Stick around for our uh, Batman series, Batman on screen. Next week, we'll be discussing either the Batman animated series or like animated Batman universe or the Joel Schumacher Batmans. I'm, uh, things are up in the air right now. So yeah, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you follow us at B1M1Pod on Instagram. Subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And uh, click the stars and the bell on uh, Spotify. Give us five stars. It helps us pop up the charts and, and uh, be discovered, especially as, as such a new podcast. Special thanks to Christian Cremo, Josh Stacy, and Rick Johnson for our theme song. And yeah, take it easy. We'll see you next week. May the force be with you. And also with you. 